This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. Biden's total naked clown suit and its recognition by the vast majority of Americans also, also makes the statement that our allies shouldn't leave and our enemies shouldn't quote, that we are the, 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 the America we've been, that we've always been, notwithstanding a temporary malaise, don't underestimate the value of our friendship or the peril our enemies are going to face. And of course, for all this to be true, it's up to us, the American people, we the people. That's who America is. And as our institutions falter and we the people rise, it's the rising of the people and not a red wave, a red, white, and blue wave that will be the reset, the writing of the ship of state. He wears black denim trousers and motorcycle boots and a black leather jacket with his name on the back. He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Right Radio. His name is New York Mike and welcome to the show. This is Roll Right Radio on New York Mike. Listen, I, I, I want to thank everybody for listening to Roll Right Radio. If you're out there and you listen, that's great. And I especially want to thank everybody and I have a request. I want to thank everybody who subscribes. And everybody who's out there listening, any friends you have, anybody you can talk to, please ask them to subscribe. What we've been trying to do is grow this podcast. And I'm not a social media guy. I I don't have all the answers to all the social media questions. And clearly podcasting is, is part of it. So I recently learned, I keep on recently learning things. I thought you can't teach them. Teaching old dog new tricks. Well, here we go. <laughs> We're trying to learn some of these new tricks. And one of them is to get as many of our friends to subscribe. It costs nothing. There's no cost to subscribe. You don't have to listen. It's okay. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously, I prefer that you do it. I hope that the subscribers and everybody that listens and enjoys it maybe learn something. Maybe, maybe it's just whatever. But I'm trying to save the world here. <laughs> and I can't do it without you. So please, subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe. If there's anybody that belongs to a club or organization, tell your friends. Subscribe. Roll right radio. And by the way, yeah, we roll to the right. That's Yes, absolutely to the right. That to the right is not a bad thing. To the left is. <laughs> I, to the left has a connotation. This, this Marxist... I, I don't know, you know, they call, they like to call themselves, what, socialist? Uh, it, 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 it's, it's bizarre, but then the left with the CRT, I, I don't find the right. I'm conservative. I want to have a strong defense. I want to have a a, a, a a really impressive military presence everywhere. I want, I don't want to go to war. If anybody's listened to me at all, having been to war, nobody that I know who's been to war and, and understands not only the devastation, not only the hell that war is, but the futility of it. It's only then I, I, I got to play the piece where that I talked to these kids at the wall this last Memorial Day and their eighth grade teacher wanted me, he wanted to find a Vietnam vet who kind of explain things to them. And I told them, yeah, I'm a, I'm a warrior. I'm a proud warrior. I was proud of what I did in Vietnam. Don't get me wrong. War only means that your politicians failed you. That's, that's what it's all about. War is politics by, another, by other means. 
when they can't do what they need to do, when they can't do their jobs, that's when you go to war. And if they're doing their jobs right, we should never go to war. And I never want to. But you also have to understand peace through strength. You want to give them the backing. They're out there, the diplomats, the people on that, the front lines, dealing with the, with the Russians, with the Chinese, with the Iranians. And, and you, you want to give them the biggest, strongest, toughest military that you can. So they can let these people know, are you crazy? You really want, you really want to take this to that next level? That's, that's what that's about. So no, I don't consider the conservative agenda. The Second Amendment, yes, absolutely. The Constitution, absolutely. So... We, we can talk about all these things, and I don't consider myself radical or extreme right, just a plain old ordinary everyday, <laughs> rolling down the road on my Harley conservative. That's it. So I, I, I appreciate you listening, and I really appreciate you spreading the word and, and helping me get more subscribers. We need lots more subscribers to get where we want to go. So... That, there's a couple of things, you know, let me, let, let me get some motorcycle. I don't have time for everything, and politics is so important right now. Uh, it, it is. It's just the way it is. But there are a few motorcycle issues. Sturgis is coming up. Glad to see that the Motorcycle Riders Foundation, the MRF, is going into the, the Freedom Fighters Hall of Fame. I'm in there, by the way. <laughs> yes, I am, and I'm proud of it. But the, the MRF is a great organization, and... They do a lot for us bikers and have been for a long, long time. Wayne Curtin, I go back with Wayne Curtin way back, the, um, I want to say the 80s, but certainly the 90s. I think Wayne was the original liaison, the, the original political head of the, uh, the MRF. And what a sharp dude, smart guy. Helped us not only get rid of the, there was a national helmet law. National helmet law. A lot of people don't remember that or they weren't around then. But not only did Wayne lead the charge to get rid of the national helmet law at the same time, they got rid of the 55 mile an hour speed limit. There was a national 55 mile an hour speed limit. It's hard to believe it. You guys don't even remember that. But it was there. <laughs> yeah. So the MRF, the motorcycle riders around the country, obeyed organizations around the country, all got together under the umbrella of the MRF. They're in, they're based in Washington, D.C., so they deal with these politicians every day. Both parties, three parties, any, who's ever there, they're dealing with them every day on our behalf. And, and they're a great organization. Yeah, so they're going to be going into the Sturgis Hall of Fame, the Freedom Fighters Hall of Fame, and I'm, I'm definitely going to be there, and I want to talk about that. But the one thing I want to talk about because every year there's a lot of issues on the table that affect motorcycles. But one of the things that affect motorcycles this year you need to be aware of, Joe Biden decided as a way to, I don't know what he's thinking. I, I have no clue what this man is thinking. As a way to lower the cost of gasoline or to increase the amount of it. I, have, I don't know. He decided they were going to extend ethanol so that not only do they have ethanol 10 but now, throughout the summer, they're going to allow ethanol-15. Ethanol-15 can ruin an engine, especially a motorcycle engine. So be very, very careful. If you see ethanol-15, try to avoid it. I, I, I think that's important, wherever you're riding. But especially, I know there'll be thousands and thousands of motorcyclists on the road 
to Sturgis in just a, a few weeks. So I'm leaving August 5th or 6th. Not sure which yet. But anyway, I caution you. But you know, we have all these issues that Alice, that you can see. It's so clear. It's like, it's like, it's, it's a goldfish bowl that Joe Biden is in. Well, it's a goldfish bowl that any president is in. But you, you could really see, they, they've, they try, they try to hide it. They, they try to make it look like, no, he's right. Oh yeah, it's Putin. That's the reason for gas prices. They try, but this guy, he just can't help himself. He's just not, he's not really smart. And I, I, I left or right, it's hard to believe that one side can't see our world any different than the other side. You would think that everybody could see what's going on. We got the oil crisis. We've got certainly inflation. We have, I mean, on overseas, we've got what's going on in, in, in the, the Ukraine. We've got what's going on in China. We've got what's going on in, in Iran. We've got, I mean, we can all see it. And then we have Joe Biden going over to Saudi Arabia. We can all see it. The talk before he goes, when he condemned the killing of Khashoggi to the crown prince, and he's not going to make—he's going to make—he's going to make the crown prince a pariah or, or Saudi Arabia a pariah state. And then he goes there, and oh, he's not going to shake hands. He's not. What does he do? He fist bumps the guy. <laughs> I mean, hey, buddy, you fist bump your buddies, man. What's wrong with this guy? And then he goes there. He says he's going to bring up human rights and the killing of Khashoggi. I mean. I mean he says all these things, and then he goes over there because he went hat in hand to beg, beg them to produce more oil. He wants to, he's begging OPEC by going to the Saudi, and he claims he's going for a whole different reason. For what, I mean, is it, he didn't mention a thing about the Abraham Accords. He, supposedly, he went there to get more of, of what Trump did with the Abraham Accords, yet he didn't mention it and talk about it. I, I, it's, it's, it's so pathetic. But when you look out there, you wouldn't think that the left sees it any different than the right. But oh my God, they sure can. I mean, you got, you got to look at every one of these issues that we're looking at. They, t it's like I said the other day about Isaac Newton. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Everything that that we look at in one way, they look at in the opposite way from abortion. Well, that's that's an easy one. Okay, how about inflation, <laughs> energy? We look at energy like, yeah, we want to be energy independent. They look at it and say, oh, well, we have to worry about the world falling apart, global warming, global this, global that. But then they say they want to get our oil from Saudi Arabia. They want them to pump more oil or Venezuela or Iran. They want them all to pump. So what's the difference if we're pumping? I'll tell you what the difference is. The difference is we have the EPA here that monitors it. So we've got the, the cleanest oil in the world. And it's, it's here in, the, in America. It's jobs. How many jobs? What, 20,000 jobs lost when they closed the Keystone Pipeline? How many jobs are lost because we're not drilling? How many? I mean, we're talking about here. And what's the difference if you're talking about polluting, if you're talking about global warming, climate change, whatever they're afraid of, these chicken little sky is falling, snowflakes. What, what's the difference if we're pumping more oil here or Saudi Arabia? What's the difference? So he goes to Saudi Arabia to beg them instead of coming to go to Texas, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania. I mean, we can drill right here, right now, Alaska, for crying out loud. 
the the Keystone Pipeline. What is wrong? Then the other side, they see it different. They're defending Biden. They're defending these policies. And it's, it's, it's just the border. We look at it, it's this big crisis. They look at it like, hey, welcome to America. What, are you kidding? It's like, it's the same thing. It's drugs. They want drugs to be legal everywhere. The freedom of speech. <laughs> what we call freedom of speech, they, they call shutting you down. If you say the wrong thing, they're going to block you. <laughs> it's like everything, racism, B the BLM, Black Lives Matter, CRT, critical race theory, standing for the national anthem, gender issues, education. Maybe the question isn't how deep is the divide, but how sharp or, or both, or how much are we divided? And of course, how do we unite? Is anybody asking that interesting? <laughs> I think about this because I think we can unite. I really do. I think we're, we're a united country, but we haven't found that moment, that, that reason for us to unite. <laughs> it's like, I have, I have two great Rottweilers. I love, I love our dogs. I really do. And it's the same breed. They're so alike. Yet they are the exact opposite at the same time. One's five years older and strong and courageous as hell, yet so docile. She'll almost always give in when the younger, more demanding and aggressive one wants something. But there is a time when the older one says enough and goes for that jugular. And boy, does that youngster back right off. But these two are never closer than when they each have the other end of a rope in their vice-like jaws and have a loud and action-packed tug-of-war. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're loud and growling at each other, but they're never closer than when they're doing that. And, and so I see it with America. We battle like hell, but like my Rotties, don't come between them or try to come or, do, or try to come from Petrina. Oh, my God. You, you know what? Those two, there's... There's nothing, and no one, they wouldn't rip apart. <laughs> They'll drop that rope or whatever they got their teeth into and grab onto whatever or whoever they perceive as a threat to us. So don't underestimate the American, the American people when they perceive a, a threat to our national security. We argue and fight tooth and nail over a bone here and there, but understand real threats, yes, foreign and domestic. When we finally see them, now sometimes it takes a while, but sooner or later, like my old friend Johnny Siokas from the Capitol Grill in Columbia, South Carolina used to say, class will tell and shit will smell and the cream will rise to the top. <laughs> that was so true then in the 60s and so true now. Joe Biden didn't take long to expose who he is. I know, for 48 years of national public office, he had one half of the country totally full, and they picked him to be their chosen one. Why? Because for 47 years, he was able to hide his lack of, his lack of competence, his corrupt nature, and his fecklessness, and inability to, to lead. He, he hid it all behind his political savvy and his ability to be cunning when it counted. Now he's standing on the top rung, visible for everyone to see. The naked emperor 
<laughs> the so-called wizard behind the curtain, totally exposed. Yep, for all of us to see. And here's some good news. And pay attention. I think this is kind of important. He has done what he said he'd do. That's right. He's united the country. And the left, at least the average Democrat, is calling him out. Okay? I mean, even Bill Maher, some of these TV people, pundits all over, they're really starting to call him out. I mean, I, I heard the other day, who is it, that left-wing guy from L.A., the, uh, the, the congressman, whatever his name is, even, even his own party, people, Congress, members of Congress in his own party, Adam, Adam Schiff said things disparaging about Joe Biden. So they're calling him out, as, as, and, and it's important, as well as the Republicans. And what's good about it is not only that we agree, but more, much more importantly, we 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 are both with both the opposing sides are willing to do what it takes for the good of us all, and we are. I believe we are. The dem the Democrats are willing to swallow their pride and do what's right. And if, if they got to replace Joe Biden, they got to replace him. And the Republicans are willing to help them find a better, more competent leader. Now. No, no, not, no, 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 no. We're not talking two years from now. No, no, we're talking now. Yeah, and I believe the Republicans would be, would be happy. Now, maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think if they could find, I, and I believe this to be very true, because I, I think that I'd be doing a disservice to the Republican members of Congress, who I know, okay, if, if, I, if I didn't believe this. Because if, if they... If they they would help the Democrats find a more competent person for that job now. Someone who would be a more formidable pro by, foe, by the way. That's right. Of course, that's, that's almost anyone <laughs> in, in, in 2024 is what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. But putting them in right now, okay, what, because they need, we need, the country needs somebody who would be a much, much better champion even of the Democratic agenda. Okay, we have elections. We're not afraid of elections. But between now and, and the next election, sure, it'll, it'll hurt to have a, a competent leader in there. It'll hurt a Republican agenda. But it'll be much better off for the country. And, and I really think that, I really think the Republicans are, are ready for that. And I, I, I just hope that the Democrats are ready to say, you know what, it's time. Now, I really do think they will. And I'll tell you why. And I'll also tell you who I think would be that person. But before I do, I want to I give you my belief in why the Democrats will be willing, especially, I'm trying to think of if they would do it before the November elections. I, I, don't, I, I think the reason to do it after, and again, I'm not a politician. I'm a person with insight. I've been in politics. I've, I've, I've been in business for many years, I was in the military. I still keep in touch with my military contacts. It doesn't make me a whatever of these things. I'm not an expert. But I think if they went to change their leadership now, before the elections, it might look like they were just trying to get some votes. I'd, I'd still suggest they, they do it like tomorrow. But I think after the election, and before January, when the new Congress sits, because I, 
I think that they understand they, what this country needs to avoid what will probably be another impeachment. I mean, if the, if the, the, the Republicans have a major, any kind of a majority, I think they owe it to the country to impeach Joe Biden. I think they could do it for any one of many things. I, I'd, I'd like to see them do it for the debacle in Afghanistan. But there's so much more. I mean, this man is just, he, he, he just keeps on messing things up. The economy, the inflation, the, 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 the energy situation. I mean, what he's done is, is criminally negligent. And I, I fully believe it. And I think a lot of people who are going to be leading the, the Republican Party, we're going to make them feel, if they don't on their own, compelled to impeach this guy. Look, and I think the Democrats understand this. If there's a way to avoid what may be another impeachment and the ugly spectacle of trials, of forget about impeachment, the trial of Hunter Biden and his father's complicity in his crimes. Not that this won't take place anyway, but it wouldn't be so front and center by tainting and crippling an already damaged White House. The Dems don't want this. The country doesn't, they, they, the country deserves better. And even though some Republicans have their mouths watering for this, I understand it. And certainly us MAGA Trumpers and, and Trump himself, after six years now, I mean, the four years of the presidency and the almost two years since of dirt that's been thrown in his face and his family's face, they're entitled to this. They're entitled to get their pound of flesh. But most of us, and I believe Donald Trump himself, want what's best for the country. A solid professional leader who'll be respected, okay? And I'm going to say it in a minute. But on that note, keep in mind that with an approval rating in the 30s, there's at least a subtle or subconscious message to the world. The message that we know and you know, because it's obvious that current leadership is not in charge of this country, that policies will change, our energy policy is, is currently off track, that we're still, notwithstanding all that, we're still the great and strong nation we were before the election of Biden, and we'll be back. Sure, there's been, there's been a lot of damage done, and some of it is irreparable, but we have a national resolve that won't be denied. And though temporarily weakened, we've been able to see some of the cracks in the foundation that we couldn't see before. We had a lot of success. We had a great economy. Donald Trump was putting America first. But there still were these cracks that we just didn't see them. But the twin disasters of COVID and Biden, we now see what needs to be done to sail those cracks, to sail those cracks, and, and, and we will get it done. Biden's total naked clown suit and its recognition by the vast majority of Americans also, also makes the statement that our allies shouldn't leave and our enemies shouldn't gloat. That we are the, 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 the America we've been, that we've always been, notwithstanding a temporary malaise, don't underestimate the value of our friendship or the peril our enemies are going to face. And of course, for all this to be true, it's up to us, the American people. We, the people, that's who America is. And as our institutions falter and we, the people, rise, it's the rising of the people and not a red wave, a red, white, and blue wave that will be the reset, the righting of the ship of state, okay? 
So I, I want to talk about that. But before I do, I also want to talk about my thoughts. Yeah, my thoughts would be, take someone like an Amy Kobachar. I, look, I, I don't like any of her policies. There's other people I can name. But I think, I think Amy Kobachar, Kobachar, is that it? I, I think that she's a strong, smart, competent, professional politician who's not going to make the gaffes. And maybe her leading her people, those Democrats, it, it might be. I just wanted to put it out there because I think there are people. We don't know them. At least I don't know them. I don't know a lot about the Democrats, and I don't know too many at all that I respect. But I do respect Amy Klobuchar. I, again, I don't agree with anything she says. But you could talk about the guy Coons from Delaware. I, I just I don't think he's in the same league. Chris Coons, is that his name? I, I don't think he's in the same league. I think Amy Klobuchar, there are Democrats out there. I mean, look at Tulsi Gabbard. I wish she was on our side. That's that's somebody I like. I'm sure there's other people that Republicans like as as a person, as an American, even if they don't like their politics, they still respect them. And I, I think that we would be quick to embrace whatever it would take for the Democrats to change, I'm sorry, change partners in the middle of the dance. But they, they, they really, they, they really have to do it. They really do. Otherwise, seriously, we are going to take back Congress. Now, it could be a huge red wave. <laughs> I mean, all of Congress, the House of Representatives, I think by 40 or 50, maybe more, maybe more. But at the same time, I got to say, I saw Ronnie Jackson's was texting someplace, or not texting, whatever it's called, tweeting something about, oh, it's going to be a red wave. Oh, it's going to be, you know what? It might not be if, if. We are so complacent that we just think, oh, it's going to be great. Oh, we're going to take off. It's not going to happen unless we get out there and work for it. It's not going to happen unless we make it happen. And making it happen doesn't mean just sitting back and wishing for it to happen. It means working for it to happen. Each and every one of us, we've got to go out. We've got to be active. We've got to, whatever we do, write some checks. It doesn't take a lot. 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there, whatever it is. But we're being outspent. The, the Democrats are raising lots of money. They're in a panic. There's a sense of urgency in the Democrat Party that I don't feel in the Republican Party. There's a sense of, oh, my God, we're going down with the ship. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket. We, we better raise some money. we got to take back Florida. Let's take over Texas. Let's do this. Why? Because the, the world's caving in on them. Because Joe Biden is falling apart. And he's the titular head. Of the, of the Democrat Party. And who do you, I mean, my God. So they're panicking. And that panic creates a sense of urgency. We're not. We're just celebrating. And let me tell you, don't count those chickens before they hatch. Don't go out there and bake a cake. <laughs> you, you don't know. You just don't. You need to act like an underdog. You need to act like they're going to beat us. When I say you, I mean every one of you in the Republican Party out there. Every... Every Republican member of Congress, and I know if you listen to Roll Right Radio, but you, you, you guys need, need to get a sense of urgency amongst the voters. It's not just a, a fundraising thing. It's more. You've got, you got to get that energy level up there. You've you got to somehow 
make people understand. But people do seem to, to think that we're at a, a tipping point, a critical point in the survival of, of America. I say, we the people. I, I talk about we the people. And the, the reason I do is because I, I believe that. I, I think, I think it's, it's critical. I think, that, I think that unless we the people of the United States of America, the citizens out there, unless we get busy and, and make it happen, we can lose everything we have. God knows what would happen if we didn't have this red wave that's coming. That's how we have to think of it that way. I, I know we, we don't want to be we don't want to be desperate, but you know, throw your pride away. If you if you can look bad, look bad. Don't worry about looking bad. Worry about losing. Worry about losing so you never do it. But I I gotta tell you, it's up to us. It's it's not up to those who cares what they vote. If if we have the majority, we'll be fine. But we've got to set this ship straight. And and that will have Abraham Lincoln's words echo around the world. Okay? Remember his words that these dead shall not shall not have died in vain. This nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. That government of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth. It's up to us. Think about that. Of, of course, if anyone thinks the low point we're in is so low, so dangerously low, that we're in danger of the destruction of the nation, or, or that we're somehow at the edge of a civil war, I can say with clarity, we're not. Trust me, we're not. Let, let me read Lincoln's address. At the, it was at the dedication of the National Cemetery at Gettysburg. It, it's short, but people talk about civil war. And they, you know, a lot of people are serious. And you throw these terms around. Oh, if they come after us, you know, we got the guns. Yeah, we do. But is, is, is that what we want? Why, why do we even talk about things as if, as if, well, if they come to take our guns away? We need to, we, we have, we're in a point now. They're not going to be talking about taking our guns away if we elect a Republican Congress. Remember that. That's our job. That's our war. That's our fight. And we need to win that fight. But you're not going to win that fight by wishing for it. And if you don't win that fight and we sit back and there's some yahoos out there who think that they're going to come for my guns and I'm going to lock and load, baby. And I'm, you, you got some, some American kids who are going to be wearing uniforms. They come up to your door. You go, oh, yeah, I'm going to shoot them. Ooh, you have no choice. It's either you shoot them or you, you give up your guns. Why would you put us in that position? Let me read this Gettysburg address. Let me tell you something about it. The Battle of Gettysburg was the turning point in the Civil War. The battle was fought in, in July, actually July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of 1863. And the, the, when, when, when the, the, the Union beat, beat the, the Confederate, the Confederate retreated, they left. And... We, we didn't chase them. I, I guess that's, that was a big mistake. General Meade. I know I'm, I'm familiar. I, I've been to Fort Meade. <laughs> There's a few of them. His guys were wiped out, too tired and beat to go chasing the Confederate. They, they left on, ironically, I find, on July 4th of 1863. It, it's, I think it's ironic because the words of the Gettysburg Address. Now, the Gettysburg Address was made because there were 
51,000 men died at the Battle of Gettysburg in three freaking days. 51,000. I mean, think about it. We lost 59,000 in 16 years of Vietnam. 59,000. They lost 51,000 in the Civil War in three days. And by the way, whatever percentage of the country was, it was a it was a huge percentage. I don't have all the numbers in my head, but there were just under 30 million people. That was the population of the country. I mean, that's that's huge. So they what they did was they dedicated a big part of that battlefield as a national cemetery for the Union soldiers, the Confederate soldiers. You know, everybody that was killed, they just put them in shallow graves. And then later on, weeks later, they brought in volunteers, people from all over. They actually dug up the bodies of the uh, Union soldiers and they identified them, whatever they had to do, put them in coffins and, and really try to give them an honest Christian, we'll say, burial. And that was at Gettysburg. I forgot the name of that cemetery, but it was dedicated that following November. And that's when Lincoln was invited to come and speak. And no, he didn't write the Gettysburg Address on, on the back of an envelope. I'm laughing, but that was what we were told when I was in high school. But no, he didn't. He, he, he wrote it out. But let me I, I think about this because it's, it's short, but it's important. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the propositions that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above any poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they fought here, have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take, in, we, we take increased devotion from these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. That's it. That's it. One of the greatest speeches ever made. I think it's something like 260 words. Two minutes. But you know, you think about where we are 
and how divided we are. We're not that divided. We're not. During that time, think about that time. I, I, I don't think it was too long after that. They had the draft riots in New York. People were rebelling. They didn't want to go and continue the war. One of the reasons why Lincoln went to Gettysburg, he needed to keep the people fired up. He, they, they were tired of this war. They were sick of seeing kids come home dead. Let those states, there was a, 11 states in the South succeeded. Let them go. We don't care. It wasn't enough. Lincoln had to keep them, had to keep, keep the passion, keep, keep alive their feelings that this nation, one nation under God, that's why he said it, under God, was so important. And, and he, he had to convince them that it was. They needed that draft. The Union needed to continue to draft soldiers to fight this war. They needed, I mean, it was, I forgot how many people died in those New York riots. They burnt down like 50 buildings. They lynched a bunch of black citizens. I don't know how many, five, six, seven. What's the difference if it's one? They lynched them. They were so angry that we're in this war. This wasn't an easy time. The whole country was in turmoil. How, how dare us think that we're so divided here today? We're not. We're not. We are one nation under God, and we have differences. Yes, but we've always had, we've always had differences. This is, it's, 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 it's always been that way. So let's, let's understand that we need, we need to find, and we're, we're at the perfect place to find that, what's, what's the word, that place where we, where we do come together, where we say, okay, we have a difference about this stuff, but we're not that different. It's the politicians, the TV shows. I'm thinking about, are we that different? How many, how many Democrats out there don't think that we should be pumping oil? Forget about this Green New Deal. That's AOC and our little group, a little cabal. Well, of course, every, every 90% of America is going to, maybe 80%. So what? We're going to get together. We're going to be together. Who wants crime? Who wants to see criminals go loose? Who wants to see the country in this kind of turmoil? Who wants it? Nobody. Do you really think that with, with just, without just a little effort from some leadership, some real leadership, that we can't bring these people together? Joe Biden can't do it. I don't know if Amy Klobuchar, I don't have a clue. But I, I, I just picked the name because I've seen her and I hear she sounds reasonable. We disagree like crazy. But there's got to be some things out there that's more important. Inflation's more important. Getting jobs, and I know he says that we got more jobs. Yeah, because when COVID hit, we laid everybody off. Nobody worked. We paid them to stay home for a long, long time. So to say that, oh, we're, 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 we've made more new jobs. No, 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 no. You came from a depleted situation, and they're still trying to find people. There's help wanted signs every place, on every store, in every city, and everywhere you go. I mean, what, what's the most played commercial? Indeed. If you need help, you call Indeed. I knew, because everybody needs people to come to work. So you don't, don't, don't listen to them. We, we have common interests. We have more things in common right now. So let's let's understand that we're, we're not we're not nearly as divided, and we've come so far. We are truly 
one nation. And yeah, there's blue states and red states, but the issues are the same. They see it a little differently than we see it. Okay, is it really night and day? Well, if you listen to their leaders who say they want open borders, well, we don't want open borders, but do you really think the average Democrat out there wants open borders? I don't think so. I think people understand what's going on. Do, do you think that people really want to see members of our military feel so so disrespected that they're called white supremacists? Why? There's no, you don't have a key KKK. You, know, you might have something here or there, but, but to label a whole class of people in the middle, I mean, I don't think that the Democrats in this country, and I'm not talking about the politicians, I'm talking about the people in this country, the average American. I don't think that they're, that they're in there, but let us decide that this is the low point in today's world. Let us take the reins, take the steering wheel. Let us seize this moment. We, the people, seize this moment in time and define it as the lowest point in our modern history and do what's necessary to vote out, to vote in, and to let those who choose to be elected, to let them know that we will not tolerate the politics of partisan division that creates stalemates, not progress, and benefits personal agendas, profits and policies in the interest of a few powerful enough to buy votes, not enough to survive the scrutiny of the electorate. You may say that sounds idealistic at, at best, futile for sure, but not as futile as war or senseless, senseless crime or anarchy or runaway inflation, open borders, limit, limitless drugs or education that doesn't produce a future generation armed with facts and knowledge of math, real science, literature, and a sense of pride in our country in spite of imperfections. Talk about imperfections. <laughs> Talk about imperfections. Yeah. AOC is complaining that her $174,000 salary as a congresswoman isn't enough to pay rent in two cities, Washington, D.C., or wherever in general. And you know what? I agree. Yep. So let's give them a housing allowance, okay? Based on the same cost of living fundamentals, the cost of living increases that the military uses. That's fair for the honest members. But what about those who make millions after they get elected? Okay, how about no money? For, no, no money. No money for lobbyists, okay? <laughs> I'm laughing at this and I'm thinking about how many of these people come to Congress, just average middle income, and leave wealthy. So let, let's change the rules. Give them a housing allowance so they can have the extra, whatever the cost of living is from wherever they're coming from to here. Okay, how about, how about no money for lobbyists? Companies, companies who lobby you, no jobs with lobbyists or any company you worked with for X amount of years, you pick it. I don't know. No buying stocks at all and no surrogate buying stock, which means if you're Nancy Pelosi, your husband can't buy stocks. I mean, I don't know how that works, but you've got to do something. And let's close out any other loophole that, 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 that they may have. Making it rain, making it rain, bringing in new clients, bringing in money for their for their law firms. Some people go to Congress. It's, they they still have blind trust in their law firm. They're just making money. So if we can take the profiteering out of politics, we won't be hearing the cries about term limits. Maybe and and term limits. I, it's it's 
a terrible idea. If you if you take the profiting out, and I'm telling you, these people are making millions. It can't be hard to define what they do to make this kind of big money. What do they do? How do they do it? Figure it out and limit it. They're only supposed to go to legislate and then go back home. Yes, if, if, if we need we need to have elections, but not because of automatic term limits. All that's going to do, and I say this so many times, is empower those bureaucrats, the gatekeepers. Those are, those are the last people that you or I want running the country on, on their side or on our side. And I know plenty of them. Some of them are really nice people, yes. But you give them all that power, and, and man, they you, no, you, you don't want to do it. Just think about the cronyism. Think about they know better than us. You, we're better off anytime with elected officials. But you also have to understand how important it is for we, the people, to vote, to get out there, to campaign, to walk the streets and knock on doors, to do what it takes. That's what we have in America. We have the freedom to do that without looking over our shoulder. Can you see doing that in, in Russia? Can you see doing that? Freely, not and not looking over over your shoulder to see if you're offending some strong politician who's going to take away your livelihood, crush crush you in some way, shape or form. That's the way it is around the world. Not here. It's not everywhere. <laughs> it's, well, how do you think that is in Iran, in China, in Russia? Come on, you kidding me? You you don't you don't you don't have that here. Take advantage. This is what freedom is. It's your right to speak up for what you believe in. And that means going down the street, raising your voice. Every time you drive down the road, you see that oh, those kids and, the, and those, those candidates waving the American flag and rolling those signs with the, with the man or the woman's name. Salute them. Appreciate them. Give them a thumbs up. Whether you agree with them or not, if you're going to vote for that person, I don't care. They're out there working for what they believe in. That's what America is all about. And that's what we can all agree on. Free, fair elections. Elections where you show your ID, when you register the vote, where you sign your name. Those are the things that we need. And there's, look, I know there's a lot of people. Oh, yeah, we have to have mail-in ballots and we have to have harvesting because we have to have as many people as possible. No, 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 no. Voting's a privilege, okay? And it's a privilege only for citizens. And, and it's a privilege that comes with rules and those rules need to be followed carefully and we'll do it we'll do it now because we're on the edge of having a big majority if we're willing to get out there and work for it so it's not so bad we're doing fine we're going to do better joe biden is bringing us together like nothing else could and it no yeah there's, there's always irreparable damage but it's not Trust me, it's not that bad. We'll be back. Our military will be back. And we'll be back in plenty of time. We really will. Don't, don't get all shaken up. Yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to lose a little bit here, a little bit there. We'll be fine. This is America. We are some of the toughest, strongest people on the planet. And all those people that are being, yeah, we have a problem getting our military. We're having a problem you know, we, getting recruits to join. We'll have, we have a lot of problems. We'll get over them. Yeah, we got obesity problems. We got we got these kids who are so stuck in their video games. You can, we got it all. That's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll get beyond it. We'll get past it. We'll get back up on top because we're still up on top. 
We're still king of the mountain. That's it. It's fine. Don't panic. Vote. I'm New York Mike. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe. Let's make it happen. Roll Right Radio. Thanks for being there. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.